0: Mr. Enfield and the lawyer were on the other side of the by-street, but when they came abreast of the entry, the former lifted up his cane and pointed. "'Did you ever remark that door?' he asked. And when his companion had replied in the affirmative, "'It is connected in my mind,' added he, "'with a very odd story.' "'Indeed,' said Mr. Utterson, "'with a slight change of voice. And what was that?' "'Well, it was this way.' "'returned Mr. Enfield. "'I was coming home from some place at the end of the world "'about three of a black winter morning, "'and my way lay through a part of town "'where there was literally nothing to be seen but lamps, "'street after street, and all the folks asleep, "'street after street all lighted up as if for a procession "'and all as empty as a church. "'Till at last I got into that state of mind "'when a man listens and listens and "'begins to long for the sight of a policeman.' All at once I saw two figures—one a little man who was stumping along eastward at a good walk, and the other a girl of maybe eight or ten, who was running as hard as she was able down a cross street. Well, sir, the two ran into one another, naturally enough, at the corner. And then came the horrible part of the thing, for the man trampled calmly over the child's body and left her screaming on the ground. It sounds nothing to hear, but— It was hellish to see. It wasn't like a man. It was like some damned juggernaut. I gave a view hello, took to my heels, collared my gentleman, and brought him back to where there was already quite a group about the screaming child. He was perfectly cool and made no resistance, but gave me one look, so ugly that it brought out the sweat on me like running. The people who had turned out were the girl's own family and pretty soon the doctor for whom she had been sent put in his appearance well the child was not much the worse more frightened according to the sore bones and there you might have supposed would be an end to it but there was one curious circumstance i had taken a loathing to my gentleman at first sight so had the child's family which was only natural but the doctor's case was what struck me he was the usual cut and dry apothecary of no particular age and color with a strong Edinburgh accent, and about as emotional as a bagpipe. Well, sir, he was like the rest of us. Every time he looked at my prisoner, I saw that Sawbones turned sick and white with the desire to kill him. I knew what was in his mind, just as he knew what was in mine. And killing being out of the question, we did the next best. We told the man we could and would make such a scandal out of this, as should make his name stink from one end of London to the other. If he had any friends or any credit, we undertook that he should lose them. And all the time, as we were pitching it in red-hot, we were keeping the women off him as best we could, for they were as wild as harpies. I never saw a circle of such hateful faces. And there was the man in the middle, with a kind of black sneering coolness. or Frightened, too, I could see that. But carrying it off, sir, really like Satan— If you choose to make capital out of this accident, said he, I am naturally helpless. No gentleman but wishes to avoid a scene, says he. Name your figure. Well, we screwed him up to a hundred pounds for the child's family. He would have clearly liked to stick out, but there was something about the lot of us that meant mischief, and at last he struck. The next thing was to get the money. And where do you think he carried us but to that place with the door?' whipped out a key, went in, and presently came back with the matter of ten pounds in gold, and a cheque for the balance on coots, drawn payable to bearer, and signed with a name that I can't mention, though it's one of the points of my story. But it was a name at least very well known and often printed. The figure was stiff, but the signature was good for more than that, if it was only genuine. I took the liberty of pointing out to my gentleman that the whole business looked apocryphal, and that a man does not in real life walk into a cellar door at four in the morning and come out of it with another man's cheque for close upon a hundred pounds. But he was quite easy and sneering. Set your mind at rest, says he. I will stay with you till the banks open and cash the cheque myself. So we all set off, the doctor and the child's father and our friend and myself, and passed the rest of the night in my chambers. And next day when we had breakfasted, "'went in a body to the bank.'